You're listening to the Patriot Nation Podcast. Welcome to another edition of the Patriot Nation Podcast. It's your boy, Pat Lane, as always, here with my guy, Matt St. Jean. And as always, this episode is brought to you by FanDuel, the official wagering partner of CLNS Media. Go to uh, FanDuel.com backslash Boston to sign up today. Matt, I mean, must win doesn't even begin to define what this game is, right? I mean, like, this is just like show up and compete and don't get your doors blown off, I, I think, right? It's got to be. I mean, I think we're at kind of this tipping point in the season where it doesn't even, I mean, obviously you could say the last week was a tipping point too, um, where you almost don't even know which direction you're hoping this thing goes. I and mean, obviously we want the Patriots to win, but uh, I don't think anybody is sitting here saying, hey, we hope this team goes like eight and nine and finishes a game or two games out of a playoffs again. Like sitting in the middle doesn't seem to accomplish much for this group. And I think. Seems like we got some clarity the last two weeks in which direction it's going, and now this week we're going to find out, all right, is that really it, or is there going to be, you know, a, a pulse on this season and maybe a chance at hope, um, and especially, you know, you're looking at young players too. Right, right. So, you know, Alex Caruso saying tank for Caleb Williams. I mean, listen. <laughs> the, real, the real Alex Caruso in the chat with us. <laughs> He's a baller. He's a baller, man. What can you, what can you say? Um you know, look, it's the last two weeks have been so bad. I mean, just so incredibly bad, worse than you could ever imagine. Like, you know, to play like that once, you could say, okay, it's an aberration. It happens once. To play like that twice in a season is as bad as you can imagine. But to play like that in two consecutive games is something that I'd never thought I would ever see the Patriots do again certainly under Bill Belichick. And, you know, I think to see them come out the way they did last week was just, like, really shocking. And so I wasn't like, oh, okay, let's fire Bill and let's do this. Really, after the Cowboys game, it was more, I'm out on Mac. Yeah. But then after the second game, you're like, man, does is Bill not getting through to any of the guys? And I don't know. Of course, we don't know. We have no idea what's being said in the locker room. But, like, you know, it just it's it's really, really bad. And if they if that happens again this week in Vegas, you're in a tailspin and I just have no idea where they go yeah. from here. Yeah. And I think you almost go into this week with this it's a sense of curiosity more than anything else. In some ways, uh, it feels like the pressure is almost off because that just got totally released last week. Like it doesn't feel like there are expectations externally around this Patriots group anymore. Uh, I'm sure there are internally, but externally it doesn't really, really feel like they're there. So it's, we're entering this week with, all right, can they show us the team that was competitive the first two weeks of the season with good teams? Can they get back to that level? Can we see something like we thought we were going to see before the season or is this as bad as it gets? And I, I think this is an interesting week for it because you have 
I think a number of factors that come together here. You have a Vegas defense that's just not good. Uh, it really hasn't been good at much all this season, but it's a Vegas defense that also has a truly elite pass rusher defensive lineman in Max Crosby, who's been a force against the pass and the run. Mm-hmm. So it's a defense the Patriots should be able to move the ball against and should be able to score against even you know, as poorly as they've played. But with kind of that one guy who can make it a nightmare all afternoon for you and completely throw hope out the window if the offensive line doesn't live up to it. And you got the coaching perspective. I mean, we know that kind of Bill's kryptonite as a head coach has been going against coaches that are from his staff. Josh McDaniels in particular has gotten him. You got that Denver game in 09, the Raiders game last year. Then we've seen this uh, even in the Brady years um, with former Belichick guys getting the best of them. And you got the Jacoby Myers angle. So you got a lot coming together here, but also, you know, Bill Belichick teams have usually been pretty good before these past couple seasons of shutting out the narratives and the noise. And when you play a team that isn't that good, you go in and you play better than them and you win. And I think if there's any real semblance of that Bill Belichick in that in that locker room and the talent available, you know, and the players available to execute it, then that's what probably should happen is you go out there and you play a good game, not a perfect one, but a good enough one to get a win. And you, and you hope you can hang on and get a victory on the road. Uh, but otherwise, you know, there's a lot of the, the headlines are going to be flying if it's another stinker with all the ties between these teams and the potential for the offensive line to be an issue yet again. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, it's the O line, I think seems to be the biggest one, right? I mean, we've all talked about it, but Mike Almano clearly isn't healthy. Cole Strange obviously isn't healthy, um, you know, and Riley Reef is finally just coming back. I don't know if he can play right tackle. Can, you know, maybe he can. I and think, I think he's just – I mean, if, if Darian Lowe looking how he's looked and Riley Reef comes back and you won't even give him a look at tackle, I think that says all you need to know about how they view Reef. Right. So the issue that I have is this, right? Vidarian Lowe has been awful, like awful. City So was getting a lot of work at right tackle. And I know City So had had come off an injury, but he's been healthy now the last few weeks. Why not stick City So at right tackle? Just stick him there and see what happens. I mean, what's the worst that could happen? He looks as bad as Vidarian Lowe looked? Like, wh- like what? what are we talking about here? Like, it oh, can't get much worse than it got. And that's, I mean, I think that's kind of the question with a lot of these positions on this offense right now. And it's, it starts at the quarterback position. You're not happy with the play you're getting on the field. So right. are the backups going to get a look or are the backups so much worse that this is as good as it can get? Um, and yeah, it's, see, part of it, yeah. it's it's tough to find out right now, too, because so many guys are, are hurt. Some of the guys we want rotating in there might not even be able to go this week. That's one of the things we're going to be waiting on. Uh, we might be waiting until Sunday to find out who's going to be yep. good to go and who's not. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's. If if Vidarian Lowe is their best option at right tackle right now, man, I don't know what's going on with So. If So can't get on the field, I mean, that's we knew he was developmental, but I didn't know he was this developmental. If yeah. that's if that's where things stand with that, and it's uh, people are going to be, at, I mean, they already are asking questions, but that's going to only increase in volume if we say that. Yeah. It does. Adam Schefter had said we're going to see changes. Bill Belichick said they're going to start over. They changed the practice schedule this week, which is one of the reasons why we went for a Thursday show instead of a Wednesday one here to kind of get more info and see if we can figure things out. And 
I wonder if they're kind of holding open tryouts this week at every spot on the offense and giving people chances to claim jobs. Well, I mean, back to back, you know, Tuesday, the fact that they went Wednesday and Thursday, full pad practices is that is extremely rare, especially for the regular season. And so, you know, I, man, you know, it's one of those things for me that, that, that says to me that this team, number one, needs to get back to the fundamentals, which I think we all know anyways, but needs to get back to the fundamentals needs to, you know, start doing those, the small things, right. But then also, Hey, we're looking at everyone. Everyone's getting a look, right. We're back to full pads because we're basically back to training camp and you're competing for your spot. Right. And Jalen Mills talking about, I only got 10 snaps on Twitter and you know, look, whatever, dude, you, everyone's got to perform. And if you're not performing, prepare to come out. Right. And so, you know, Mac Jones, I don't know what that means, right? If Mac Jones puts him another stinker on Sunday, I don't see how you can keep rolling him out there. I just don't know how you can do that. Now, you mentioned before the show that someone had mentioned maybe Will Greer getting a start. I think Greg Bedard you had know, mentioned that. Freaking Malik Cunningham. I don't care. I, I don't care. At this point, it doesn't matter, right? And And this is the hard thing, right, is that you say, well, they're all NFL players. And so, you know – some guys are better than other guys and you know some guys are here and they're not good and some guys are below that and i i understand all of that but at the same time if you are the patriots and you have nobody well then just trade for someone or do something like show some interest in Lyle Collins zero interest and and you know the, of course the first response to, to me when i say that on twitter is well he has to be interested too not really he doesn't no There'd be reports flying around that the Patriots were interested in in, in having him come in for a tryout. Zero. Saw nothing of that. And so what are we doing? Like, you know, how come we're not looking at these guys? How come we're not in the market for for a tackle? It just seems strange to me. Well, and I think the thing that makes it weirder is you got like City So, who's kind of what seems to be just developmental sitting there, and and Wheatley, who they traded for from the Browns, who hasn't even been able to to get active, I don't think, for a game yet. No. He's uh, developmental you have, too. Yeah, even if, if we're not counting Reef as tackle, they still have five tackles on the active roster, and that puts you in a weird spot. So right now, it feels like they have five tackles on the active roster, and two or three of them they don't feel comfortable putting in a game. Yeah. So what's what are we doing here? And it's you can tell they don't they they don't feel like they need to to like fill out this roster right now because Matt Judon hasn't gotten put on IR. Uh, they they're basically just working with the 52 man roster at this point, and part of that's probably because we're going to see somebody back this week, whether it be Tyquan Thornton or Cody Davis or Trey Flowers. One of those guys will probably make his way back to the active roster, and they're just holding that spot. Yeah, but yeah, and it's the other thing too. I mean, it's maybe they don't like what they've seen from Collins. Maybe maybe they still will bring him in, and they just hadn't happened yet. Um, I don't know. We'll find out. And maybe they think they have enough talent in the room and the guys just aren't playing up to it. Maybe they want one more week with these guys to see what happens. I don't, I don't know. Right. Um, It's well, and uh, that's, listen, you mentioned it, right? Tyrone Wheatley and city. So are both developmental guys, right? Wheatley is a, is a, is an athletic guy who played tight end in college, who, you know, is making the transition to tackle in the NFL. It's not an easy transition. I, I understand all that. I get it. But like, 
don't we have to like look at this and say like, well, at some point, just throw him out there. I mean, just see what happens. Give him some reps. And if he looks awful, well, then you pull him, right? But like, you have to, Vidarian Lowe has been so bad that you have to, at some point, look at Vidarian Lowe and say, look, buddy, okay, maybe, you know, you're not doing a great job. You're getting yanked. You're getting pulled, right? Like, it's yeah, not just like, go keep, keep, you know, stay out there and keep, you know, playing bad. Well, no, no, no. We're going to pull you. And then maybe the guy behind you is so bad that we have to put you back in. But like, we're going to take you out because you suck. Well, and like, if they're, if these guys can't get in there with the player that we're seeing, why are they on the roster? Why are they taking up the roster spot? If they aren't competitive for the jobs at yep. all with what you have there, I think you got to be kicking the tires on stuff. Otherwise, you're just kind of punting on this season. And, you know, long term, if Mac isn't the guy, punting on this season is probably the strategy you take. You bottom out and you reset after this season. But I can't imagine that's a strategy Bill Belichick is on board with, especially not if his job is on the line this yeah. season with performance. So definitely got some some question marks there. And we're not even mentioning Calvin Anderson in the tackle discussion. It, it was a healthy scratch last week. Um, a guy who I think they thought could be, you know, at least a, a rotational guy, a swing tackle. I thought he was good enough for that. And apparently he isn't even giving them that level of play. So yeah. I don't I don't know what's going on there. But also, I, th- I think we'll probably see some changes this week. We're going to have to, because if you look at the injury report, I want to go through this real quick because yeah. it's it is ridiculous. So uh, the week six injury injury report for the Patriots uh, as of Thursday currently has 16 players on it. That does include Matt Judon, who is basically done for a while until yeah. December or the end of the season. We, ha- we haven't really gotten a clear answer on it. He's got that elbow injury. Juju Smith-Schuster and Demario Douglas, both concussions, both did not participate. I don't think we're going to see either one of them go on Sunday. I I don't think anybody's – I think the last time a player cleared concussion protocol within the week was early last season across the whole NFL. So Roshan Johnson got hurt last Thursday and still hasn't cleared concussion protocol. Yeah. So, So like, you know. uh, So I don't think we're seeing either of those this week. Uh, the rest of the injury report, you've got three defensive linemen on here. Christian Barmore with a knee injury. I think he's been on this basically every week. Trey Flowers, foot injury, working his way back. Uh, he's not on the active roster yet. And Devon Godshaw with an ankle injury. Also got Josh Uche on there with a knee injury. Jonathan Jones still listed with that ankle injury. Cody Davis, knee injury. Kyle Duggar popped up there today with a foot injury, a Thursday injury being added onto this Sean Wade with a shoulder injury. He's on it. Then we come over to the offensive side of the ball, Trenton Brown with a chest injury, which he somehow got, I think last Friday, uh, which is the day that they had the walkthrough before the saints game. And I'm not really sure what happened there. Uh, you got Mike on Wenu with an ankle injury, Riley reef with a knee injury, Cole strange with a knee injury. And finally Taekwon Thornton with that shoulder injury that he got in uh, joint practice with the Packers working his way back. I think you have to expect that Booty is going to be active for the wide receiver group with what we've got there. And either Tyquan Thornton's going to be healthy or we might see a promotion for Jalen Rager just to have enough bodies. But I think for as bad as right tackle has been, I feel like 
it's almost the worst spot on the offensive line has, has been the guard spots because Mac Jones can't step up to avoid the pressure. Yeah. And both your starting guards are injured right now. So you want to shuffle around. You want different bodies in there. I think that might be the spot where you want different bodies the most and you want your, your starters, but I don't know how close we are to actually getting that. Yeah. What's funny is that they had reef at guard for, for a little while in the preseason. And I think they had so at right tackle when they had reef at guard. Yep. Right. And so to me, do that, put Riley reef at right guard or left guard, whichever, you know, whichever guard is, is supposed theoretically that Mike on can go at right ta- at right guard. So you put Riley reef at left guard and you put city. So right tackle and you roll with that. Like, I, you know, I don't try it. You know, just try something. You got to try something different, right? You can't just roll out the same guys and expect a different result because it's not going to happen. And I know, no. you know, look, they're saying all the right things. The guys are talking about Mac and saying he works hard and he's in the thing and he blah, blah, blah. And he's saying we're having fun in practice and we're not having fun in the games. We've got to find a way to have fun in the games and blah, blah, blah. And all this stuff. And like, like a little Cupid shuffle at practice. <laughs> yeah. And, and they're saying all the right things. But like. You're not seeing any of the results on the field. None of them. Yeah. And so mix it up a little bit. Take Devontae Parker and bench his ass. Bench him because he sucks. Well, this well, this bench is Kendrick Bourne. Like, I, I don't care. Do something shake. to shake something up. Well, this is one week, too, where I think if Devontae Parker shows that he still has some juice in him, this is a week for it because the Raiders secondary is really yeah, not terrible. that good. And I, yeah. their best guy is Marcus Peters and – He's kind of in that like Jack Jones mold of guys who are going to try to like he's lurk old. and go for picks. And he's older. Yeah, he's not the most athletic anymore. I think Devontae Parker should be able to beat him one on one when he gets opportunities. And and it's yeah. it's rookie Jacory and Bennett on the other side. And like I I liked him. I thought he was okay. But he's a rookie fourth round pick. Nate Hobbs is out there. David Long, Amik Robertson. Amik Robertson did get a game ending pick on Monday Night Football uh, against Jordan Love. So credit to him on that. But you read the Raiders fans. Uh, that's not something he's really been doing for them. Which, by the way, I saw 21 out there with a game-ending pick for uh, Josh McDaniels and a former Patriots coach. I immediately thought – now, I'm not thinking Malcolm Butler. I thought it was Deron oh, Harmon. I just assumed that Harmon yeah. had ended up in the closer. Vegas and I missed it. Yeah. But, man, this Raiders secondary is not good. And yeah. – I think for I think for your two veterans who should be good to go this week in Parker and Bourne, assuming they're still going to get plenty of playing time, I think they have to. This is a week where they should be able to get separation. If they yeah. can't get any separation this week, then this this thing is toast. There's no there's no hope for this thing. <laughs> yeah, it's going to be real bad. It's going to be real bad. By the way, Gary's oh, Gary says hello from uh, over in England. Old Love man it. Mob says hello uh, over around here, too. So we appreciate you guys tuning and, in. And Matt Minetto. Staying and up Matt Minetto. Yes, yes. Appreciate you staying up late, Matt. Um, you know, and Gary points out that Max Crosby looks frightening. He does. He looks really frightening. Um, but again, it, it, you know, you just you come back to what's going to happen offensively. And, and to me, this is, this is the game. If you don't show something offensively, I'd just – I'd mix everything up. I'd change everything. I, I don't – and again, I don't even know what that means. I don't even – I don't know who's going to be out and who's going to go in. And who's gonna, it, it just 
it doesn't matter. You've scored three points in the last two games, right? Like you can't do that and expect to even compete. And so, you know, you talked about the last three games, you've scored a total of 18 points in the last three games, like 18 points in the last three games combined on two of those are defensive. So (laughs) safety from Judon. So see, there you go. So now you've scored 16. 16, You scored 16 points offensively. Your offense has produced 16 points in the last three games. And so when you start to look at it and you start to say like, hey, we're in big trouble. And if you can't put something together against, like you said, a a not so good Raiders team, I I just, I don't know where we go from here. Right. And again, it's, it's start over. And I, I know they're saying start over, but like, yeah, they're starting over. They're going back to basics and they're going, no, no, no. Start over. Like we're going back to the beginning of camp and Will Greer's our number one quarterback instead of Mac Jones, because we can't, we, we just can't. And like Kayshawn Booty is the X because Devontae Parker was hurt. So we're starting over there again. Devontae Parker will go ride the bench and Kayshawn Booty will play the X. And, and like, just do that. Just see, I mean, again, again, 16 yeah. points in three games. It can't no, get much worse table. than that. You know, yeah, and the the flip side, like I know you say, change everything if the offense can't get going here, but there's also feels like such a futility to that, where it's almost right. like if it doesn't get going here, you know, we you, we can change everything and we can play with the options, but it does kind of feel like moving around the deck chairs in the Titanic, yeah, at that point, and you know, all down to try out anything at that point. But I think the key is, all right, first of all, let's see if we can get healthy because that's going to give us the best chance to evaluate. I mean, no matter what the situation is going forward, you just used a first-round pick on Cole Strange, and you expect him to be your starting guard for the next two seasons, and, you know, used a first-rounder on him. You're expecting to pick up that option, get three more years of a starter on that contract going from here, and he's been a lot better than Moffey when he's played. He's just, you know, he's not healthy right now, and nothing you can do about that, which, by the way, I... Doug Kide and uh, Andrew Callahan had an article they put together, which I think summarized a lot of the stuff going on with the offense and the team building really well. But I did take objection to the way that they talked about um, Cole Strange and Tyquan Thornton. Um, neither of them mentioned the injuries. They mentioned that Cole Strange is in a competition for a job and that Tyquan Thornton hasn't played. And I know Thornton struggled with injuries, so that's a fair criticism of his ability to get on the field with Strange really hasn't struggled with injuries here, and he's not in a competition for his starting job. He's injured right, right. now and trying to play through it. And I don't, I didn't think that was necessarily fair to him. Well, you know, and but that's this is what this is what the Boston media does. This is what they do, yeah. is they sensationalize and they do well. So even Karen Karen Gregorian, who I think is better than this, right, took a cheap shot at, she's done at some really good stuff. Yeah. At the, she's done some amazing stuff, but she took a cheap shot at the Patriots too, where like. She was like, uh, you know, I think she was talking about what um, what Belichick was talking about the Raiders, and he was saying that, you know, they have three or four players that are the ten best at their position. I, th- I think I think he might have said they had five that were in the top five or something so, like that. So it was something like that, right? Whatever yeah. it was. And then she goes, I'm sure he can't say that about his team. Like, what? We all know that. Why we're are we adding team. that in? Like, what are we doing? Like, that. That's the type of stuff for me that annoys me. Like, and it's, you know, and it's, it's fair criticism. I get that. But like, at the end of the day, like, what are we talking about here? You know what I mean? And we're, yeah. You know, Matt Chatham, who 
and and Chatham is a Patriots apologist, hundred mm-hmm. percent. But he also is one of I think the fairest journalists. If you if you really listen to what he says, and his quote, which on NBC Sports Boston last night, Felger Holly and, and Andrew Callahan talked for like fifteen minutes about his tweet from the other day, and I think I think it was the perfect tweet. And I'm going to read it because I think it's the perfect tweet. If Jacoby Myers had been on this New England team and the QB play continued as it has and the O-line was in the same injury-riddled chaos, the team results would be identical and the Myers contract would be lambasted and he'd be one of the first names brought up in the trade deadline takes. If you don't realize this, you must rock around these parts with the whole bait shop in your mouth. Look, he's not wrong. Yeah, Jacoby Myers isn't fixing this offense, right? Now, there's no doubt that he would be a better option than Juju Smith-Schuster. But it's this offense really isn't that bad because of the receivers. Yes, the receivers aren't wide open all the time, but it's not as though Mac Jones doesn't have guys to throw to. The guys are getting open at times. A, he's not hitting them, and B, he doesn't have time. And so, like, you know, it's if Myers were out there, would it be a little bit better? I think it might be a little bit better, but not much better. I don't think they're winning any games because Cody Myers is on the team instead of Juju Smith-Schuster, and so it's like, yeah. you know, and the and the flip flip side of that, if we're if we're switching the deals and Juju is back in Kansas City, um, obviously we don't know exactly what's going on with the knee and everything. If you look at this Kansas City offense, they could use it. I was interacting with some Chiefs fans on Twitter a week or two ago talking about how they would do anything to get Juju back. I'm like, right. anything? Um, yeah. Yeah, like what uh, what kind of draft capital are we talking about here? Yeah, yeah. Um, but you know, in a world where the Patriots' offense looks like that, and Myers stays, and Juju, you know, resigns in Kansas City and looks good, you know, it's going to be all the talking heads saying, "Why can't you get a guy like that for our receiver who can make plays happen after the right. catch?" The the issue, the 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 thinking and the process behind you know switching from Myers to to Juju, I think, was sound. What wasn't sound was probably whatever medical evaluations they did, which I think is concerning yep. or something that happened after he signed the deal where his knee got worse, which is also concerning. Um, but no, I mean, I think the receivers are an issue for this team, but the receivers yeah. issue has to do with the ceiling, how high this offense can go. The reason the offense has bottomed out to the degree it has is because the offensive line is playing so poorly. Right. And in particular, the interior offensive line can't get push at all in the run game or in pass protection. So Mac Jones, for the most part, has not had an ability to step up to avoid any rush, and they can't run the ball. Yeah, and you put those two together, and it's you have no easy buttons in your offense anymore. You don't you don't have any plays you can say, "Hey, this is going to get us three yards," and we know that we're not going to turn the ball over on it. You don't have that play just running the ball right up the middle and. Um, to go with that, you don't really have uh, a play-action game. One, because they can't run the ball, and two, because everything is so just disjointed. They get down early in games, and if you're down 14 to nothing, nobody's biting on the, the run in right. play-action. Nobody is going for that, so you can't really use it. Yeah, uh, I think that's I think that's really where it starts, and that you thought you had two really good starters in Cole Strange and Mike Onwenu, and neither of them are out there, and now all of the other issues in your offense become very, very obvious very quickly. 100%. 100%. And Ed does mention, which is true, that Mac had chemistry with Myers. And that's that's undeniable that the chemistry was there with Jacoby Myers for sure. And 
that's something that I think they underrated perhaps. Um, you know, when it is what it is. I just think, I, you know, any points out Hopkins too. I just, again, my point is that Hopkins would, would he make this team better? Yes. Because you call him out because, uh, Devontae Parker's trash. I've been saying it since last yeah. year, Devontae Parker's trash. And so we mentioned that Hopkins didn't seem like a huge upgrade over Devontae Parker because Devontae Parker is like fine. And DeAndre Hopkins is old and is always hurt. And like, you know, and doesn't practice a ton. And like he had one big game in, in Tennessee. And I bet you in three weeks he's gonna be hurt. And he's gonna yeah. be, you know, missing time and he won't practice all week and then he'll play and it'll be 190%. You know, like you've been doing that all year. If you give me an undo button right now, going back to the offseason, I'm getting Hopkins and I'm and I'm trading Parker and I'm yep. probably keeping Damian Harris in the building if that was an option. And I'm yeah. keeping Myers instead of Instead of going for Juju, you have right. a better offense that way. Um, and it was the, should work with the money. I just, um, yeah. Parker also, you mentioned injuries. Parker got, missed the first game of the season because he got hurt. And I do wonder if that's still, still nagging him. Matt Menino mentions Parker just got uh, an extension too, which, which is I true. Think, I don't really know. Based on what we're seeing right now, we don't know why they did that. So I wonder if something happened and he looked different in camp because with what we're seeing, that makes no sense yeah and i think Uh, so the the dead cap hit next year is still kind of big at six million but the dead cap hit the year after in 2025 is small it's like one million so so it does sound like they might be locked into keeping juju and Devontae parker through next season which is tough because right if you're trying let's say you're trying to get these young guys involved and it's Thornton and it's Booty and it's Douglas, and you probably I mean, I have to think you're drafting a receiver next year at some point or yeah. adding somebody. So you might be just trading one of those guys and eating. But not necessarily. I mean, six million dollars isn't that bad to eat you can for eat dead that. cap. It's not a big deal when you got a hundred million dollars in cap space. So yeah. Um and I, but. yeah. I, I also I want to touch on something with the Meyer stuff because for as good as Myers is, one, I think he actually has worse separation numbers this year than Juju Smith-Schuster does, which, yeah, which is, is probably, you know, more of a flaw with the statistic in the yeah. way that's measured than anything else yeah. and the types of looks they're getting all that. Um, but for as good as Myers is, there's actually, here's, a, here's the name for you, Pat. He has a little bit of Stevie Johnson in his game. Well, he'll freelance a little bit with the way he runs routes. Yeah. And I think he got he gets open a ton. I think he didn't always get open within the timing of the play. And I think that may have been a frustration. And that may have been why the team wasn't as willing to go as high with the money as, as Vegas was there. Yeah. Um, be curious to see it, you know, up close on on Sunday with the Pats playing against him, how he looks. Because he's I mean, he's a good receiver. He's a I think he's a really good number two. He's a really good possession receiver. He catches a lot of balls. He does get open against man coverage, and that's still an improvement over some of the other guys. Um, so, yeah, I I don't think he's – I think like people remember the highlights with him, and there were there were more lowlights in there, at, not including that Vegas play of last course. year than people yeah, remember. Yeah. Um, He's, he's a little bit streaky as a player. And I, I love Jacoby Myers. Don't get me wrong. Like I said, I'd take him back New England over what yeah. they have in a heartbeat. But, well, you know, you if, remember... you got, if, if you're locked into having Parker and Bourne, then you really only have one spot you can upgrade Myers as a free agent. So trying to upgrade that spot is kind of the logical. Yeah. And, and, you you know, 
because things aren't working out, you have a tendency to look back with rose colored glasses, right? Because to, to the way things were when everything was good. Right. And so, you know, it's only natural to feel that way. So, yeah. all right, let's take, uh, let's take a quick break. Can I, yeah. Can I grab a comment ahead. before we do that? Yes. Cause uh, there's a comment here from TJ Pinder. Do you guys find it disrespectful when folks say, quote, Malik Cunningham isn't a quarterback? He was a starting QB for five years at Louisville. Not saying start him, but I find that talk rude. Uh, I don't know if you're pulling a quoting from a specific person when you say he isn't a quarterback, but the only I just wanted to add context there. From what we've heard from the team, he is practicing as a wide receiver and has been playing for them as a wide receiver since camp started with occasional look at quarterback. Whether I think he could be a quarterback in the NFL, maybe in theory, he has the tools to do it, but the team doesn't view him that way. So um, I don't think it's necessarily disrespectful to say he isn't a quarterback when they have him labeled as a wide receiver right now and want him to play there, which I also think is something we talked about back in the preseason. I thought he looked good enough. Uh, as a quarterback against yeah. the Texans in that one drive and bad enough as a receiver throughout the rest of the preseason to say, hey, let's try to develop him as a quarterback. It seems like the team doesn't agree and they're still going the receiver route with him, which again, I mean, if we want him to play quarterback this year, I don't know if that can happen. I don't know if he knows enough to do it. Or if he's ready yeah. right now. Well, not just that, but don't forget now, he got cut by the Patriots, right? He was cut by the Patriots. He signed their practice squad. If there were a team out there, it what this is multifaceted because we don't know what yeah. Malik Cunningham thinks either, right? But if Cunningham had it in his head that he wanted to play quarterback, and there was another team in the NFL that said, Hey, we'd love to develop you at quarterback, sign with our practice squad, then he would have, right? Like you have to believe that he would have if that were the case. And Either A, there was nobody else that was interested in having him as a quarterback, which I don't, again, no idea. I don't know. Like, you know, you'd have to talk to him and his agent, right? But either A, there was no one else that was interested in having having him as a quarterback, or B, he looked at it and said, I think my most realistic chance of playing in the NFL is as a, as a wide receiver. Those are the only options, right? And, and maybe he could be a quarterback someday. I do think... The way the NFL is going, I've seen enough from Cunningham that I think it's worth to at least look at him. Yeah. Because he has special traits as a quarterback. Does he have special traits as a wide receiver? That I don't know. But I know he has special traits as a as as a quarterback. Now, can he read a defense? Can he throw in rhythm? Can he put enough touch on a pass? That stuff, I have no idea. But like at least you could try it, you know? And so um I'm surprised that they haven't given him a chance there. I'm surprised that they haven't thought about it yet, but clearly they have something else in mind. And again, either everyone else in the NFL agrees with the Patriots and feels that he's a wide receiver or he think, or he agrees and thinks, I, I don't really want to play quarterback in the NFL. I'd rather be a wide receiver. Yeah. And it's, it's also like, he is an undrafted free agent. This isn't like the Lamar Jackson stuff where I think that right. was kind of rude to look at his, skill set and say this dude's a receiver uh when he clearly had some crazy athletic traits at quarterback cunningham just isn't athletically in that tier if he were he would have been drafted 
and he either would have been drafted as a quarterback or somebody would have said, hey, this dude has crazy athletic traits. Even if he isn't a quarterback, we'll turn him into something else. Right. Um, so, yeah, he's he's good. And it's I mean, the comment had mentioned that he started for five years at Louisville. It's going to sound weird, but that's almost a knock on him. Yeah. If you're a starting quarterback for five years in college and you haven't gotten the call up to the pros at some point in there, if you haven't left early, most of those guys, if you have that much experience and that much time in college and you haven't developed into a pro-ready guy, you're not going to get drafted. Uh, I don't know, Matt. Bo Nix, though. Bo Nix, though, could Bo be Nicks good. Bo Nix and Mike, Michael Penix, too. Could I be think good. He's in his sixth year there. You know, listen. We got, we got, I mean... hey, for, the, for those interested in – potential future Patriots this Washington Oregon game on Saturday so it's the uh, it's three, the 60 it's the 60 Eastern. Elite, man yeah you got it's Bo Nix and Michael elite. Penix on opposite sides there and you got uh, a Washington receiving core that has three dudes that, that are going to get drafted this year so yeah uh, yeah lots of names to watch there <laughs> yeah it's ugly it's ugly so um all right let's play let's play a quick ad and then we'll get back into it I want to talk about what the Patriots can do to win this game number one and then also what it's going to look like moving forward um, after that. So quick word from our sponsor, and we'll be back. Snap into the action this NFL season with FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets guaranteed when you place a $5 bet. That's $200 in bonus bets, win or lose. If you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time to get in on the action. The app is so easy to use. There's a wide range of betting options, including spreads, player props, over-unders, and more. So visit FanDuel.com Boston and kick off the NFL season. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. Ages 21 and up in present Massachusetts, hope is here. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire seven days after receipt. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. GamblingHelplineMA.org or call 800-327-5050 for 24-7 support. Play it smart from the start. GameSenseMA.com or call 1-800-GAM-1234. So let's get into this game a little bit. They are playing Vegas. And, you know, look, and again, as we said, I think the path for success for the Patriots here against Vegas is going to be your offense number one has to get going. This defense is not good. Vegas' defense is not good. And defensively for the Patriots, you have to force a turn. And they only have two turnovers through five games. That's not good enough. That's not good enough. And I know they played well. They played pretty well against against Philly, and they played pretty well against uh, Miami. You know, and then, of course, they only allowed the Jets to score 10 points. But still, you have to be able to put real pressure on teams and turn them over. And they haven't been able to do that, certainly not consistently enough. And that's definitely hurt them um, so far this year. And so I think winning the turnover battle, number one, Right, that's a huge one for me is winning the turnover battle, and then number two, let's get the offense going a bit and and kind of see where that goes. Yeah, fully agreed. Um, and it's, I mean, this is a Raiders defense; they rank twenty fourth in DVOA. If you look at like just some of the raw score totals, you're going to go, "Oh, this defense isn't that bad." Yeah, I mean, they they held the Broncos to to sixteen in points. There were only like six total possessions in that game or something like that. The Broncos, yeah, the Broncos had six possessions scored on three of them. Yeah. Um, and that's kind of how it's been. You know, the Bills put up 38 on them. 
the Steelers had 23 points, which is a lot for this Pittsburgh Steelers team. And even mm-hmm. the, the Packers moved the ball. They just couldn't stop turning it over. Jordan Love looked bad. So winning the turnover battle, I think, is number one. I think number two is going to be do not let Vegas's stars break the game for you. And that's Devontae Adams and Max Crosby. Yeah. They got one guy each side of the ball who can single-handedly win this game. You got to find a way to take him away. I'm curious who they put on Devontae Adams. We'll see if he's healthy. Uh, I feel like that's got to be J.C. Jackson, though, and you probably want Jonathan Jones on Jacoby Myers. Um, Or Miles Bryant could take Myers. We'd probably see a ton of zone again, is my guess. Yeah. Yeah, you're probably right about that. And, you know, I don't know, because this is the situation where, like, I clearly he's not as physical, but a guy like Christian Gonzalez has the length to go up against a guy like Devontae, Devontae Adams. And of course, you know, I mean, Adams is still a monster and, and he's not going to be one for one, but at least he's big and has the length. Whereas you don't have a guy like that on the team now, right? I guess Sean Wade is like kind of big, but he's not that big, you know? So I I don't know who the heck. And if you stick, if you stick Sean Wade one-on-one against Devontae Adams, you're not winning that matchup. So no, you're going to lose. You're going to lose. Right. Which I'm, I'm bummed that we don't get to see this because I think, this is one where you want Christian Gonzalez, but this is also a really good learning opportunity for Christian Gonzalez because yeah. Devonta Adams in your conference right now, and you're probably going to have to play him again. Right. And you'd love for him to learn from this one. So tough and, there. You know, and Adams too, like the other part about Adams is that I, I just think for him, it's not just about the, like he's a beast, obviously, but he's, he's a technician. When he runs the ball, he's a technician. And that to me is the coolest part. Like, that's that guy that like, man, he is, you know, he's just tough to stop. And it's not just, he's just physical and out physical as you. He like knows the ins and outs of every single route and runs it so precise, precise and plays so well that, you know, it, he's fun to watch. And he also, you learn a ton from him, I think as a young D back. So um, also MA football guy, great idea. Play Keon White on Devontae Adams. Love to see it. The length, just the length of Keon White against Devontae Adams. That'd be awesome. Yeah, that'd be uh that'd be funny. No, I think yeah, it's it's just tough missed opportunity there. I'm also looking at what the Pats are able to do against this Raiders offensive line. Yeah. I'd love to see, you know, generate some pass rush, which they haven't gotten and no Judon. Like, this is a big, big Uche week. Um we haven't talked about it much, but like if Trey Flowers ends up being a guy they activate for this game to kind of come in and help rotate and fill that Judon role a lot, that gets interesting. But Pat's pass rush hasn't been that good this year, even though they have some good individuals in it, which is, I think, disappointing. And this is a game where, again, you'd think they should be able to get some pressure. Right. I agree. I agree 100%. Right. And that's, yeah, it's frustrating. It's frustrating to see. Um, And so I'm not sure... Again, turn the ball over. And I think that that's where it comes from, right? You get enough sacks and all of a sudden guys are fumbling or guys are getting nervous and making bad throws or you're, or you're you know, doing what happened to Mac last week, which is you're hitting him as he's throwing and the ball ends up, you know, ends up fluttering and someone gets, you know, gets a hand on it or picks it off or whatever the case may be. So that's where it has to start for me. And, and I just think like, you know, they just, they haven't been able to do enough of that and certainly not consistently enough. Um, for it to really matter, unfortunately. Yeah. I also think, you know, we're talking offense, defense right now, but special teams have been 
bad this year. They're 32nd in special teams DVOA again, which I think has a lot to do right now with the fact that the kicker is not making kicks and mm-hmm. your punt returner is out for the season with Marcus Jones. I think out yep. for the season. Has that ever been confirmed? Do we ever get a timeline on that? No one has said anything about it. Um, I think it's possible that he's out for the season, but I'm just kind of um, assuming he is because it was reported as a torn labrum, I thought. So. I'm hoping that he's not out for the season, but yeah, he certainly might be. Yeah, and I think, I mean, Chad Ryland, uh, a couple of those misses came on the road in the wind and rain with a long snapper who messed up a couple, and then he's got one long one late in the game against Dallas and that one against New Orleans last week, which I think was tough. But there's some it's you can excuse some of the misses he's had. And, you know, this is a dome environment and it could end up being a close game. So, you know, we want to see growth and development from the young players. It would be nice to go into next season knowing that, hey, the kicker and the punter, those are those are spots that we have locked down. Yeah. And the punter looks like a good he, he looks like a good pick. Chad Round, on the other hand, like I know and, and I'm just getting sick of making the excuses. Oh well, that was this, or it was a high snap, or exactly. the you know the conditions weren't great. But make a kick, man! You got to hit a kick at some point, right? And and that's yeah. you know. And listen, we talked about you know people talked about well, you know, it, well the 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 lighthouse is there now, and it's a different fit. And it's like, well, wait a second, this kid doesn't know any different. He's never yeah. kicked at, at Old Gillette Stadium, so it's not like you can use that excuse and say like, well. The wind is different now. What do you mean? He doesn't know what the wind was like before. It's not like it's Nick Folk out there and he, you know, he's getting something he doesn't expect. This kid hasn't seen anything other than this, right? So it's just like that's the hard thing for me, where it's like, man, we got it's gotta be better than it is. And and it's yeah. been bad. And again, Joe Cardona had two bad snaps again. Um, this time both on punts last week. And so it's like everyone. And from the top down, every single person has been bad. And so, yes, we got to get back to basics. Yes, we got to start doing the fundamental things right. And everyone has to play better, or else, you know, they're in danger of, you know, of of being embarrassed again. Yeah. And it's like, you know, at some point, you have to look in the mirror and say, we can't do this anymore. You know, this yeah. it, it can't happen. And I think, regardless of what happens outcome wise with this season the more guys that are on this roster that you can keep around and you think can be part of the team's future, the easier it is to build because right. you only get so many draft picks. You only have so much money in free agency. You can only deal with the guys who become available in free agency. And the more roster spots you have filled out, you know, we want to feel good about the kicker and the punter as starters going forward. We want Cole strange to Mike on to come back strange so you know if you can count on him to be your starter going forward and on the wedding because this is a contract year for him and we're still trying to figure out if he's going to be back uh, i think those are guys you want to figure out you got the looming stuff with uche and, and duggar also hitting free agency you want to know which direction you want to go with those guys and you know, taquan thornton Keishon booty demario douglas let's find out what we have in that trio and see if any of them can be part of a a championship rotation of receivers at some point down the line, because if not, I mean, you're drafting receivers anyway, but if those guys aren't, this is going to start to get turned over here in the next year or two. Right. I agree. I agree. By the way, Turbo, thank you, sir, for the uh, shout out about the hat. A lot of people like this hat. It's one of my faves. 
uh, old school. It's a good one. I saw hat. that in the uh, in the pro shop last week. Yeah, I, I was thinking about it. There were so many hats that I liked that I was like, hmm, I, I like a lot, but I can't figure out which one I actually want to pull the trigger on. So my problem is that I I don't wear like this is the only time I wear a hat. I wear a hat doing this, and I do a hat when I golf. Other than that, I don't wear hats. Really? And so like I love the way hats look, but then I'm like I can't buy a hat like what was wrong with me so i always find myself buying hats unnecessarily um i also do um at the one o'clock game so i sit in the north end zone so the one o'clock games the sun is in my face yeah and i wish as i would I, 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 it's my fault i should have told you that i, I apologize because you get the raccoon face the next day because you got the sunglasses going and if you don't have a hat covering your face then you're all like you're all burned or uh, or suntanned everywhere well, except I, for your except for your eyeglasses. See, we had that we had that the hats, but we read the weather report and it was a high of like sixty two. So we're wearing jeans and long sleeves, oh, boy. and you're sitting there in the sun and everybody's baking. Yeah, yeah, that's tough. That's tough. Yeah. 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 So, but you know, but anyways, it's just you know, look, I think, and you're right. Because ultimately what it comes down to is that you have to be able to look at this roster and say, who do we have on the team that can help us win in the future? Yeah. You don't have the clear answer to that yet. Hopefully you will, but you don't have a clear answer to that yet. But again, and this is one of the issues with last year is that it put you behind the eight ball all year. If you found out last year that Mac Jones stunk and he wasn't the guy moving forward, you'd be in a different spot this year. You'd be in a, in a totally different spot this year. Now, I don't know if you would have moved on from Mac Jones this offseason. You probably couldn't have. But either A, you would have said, we have to put really, really good pieces around him or he's going to suck. Or B, you would have said, let's bring in some sort of veteran to compete with him to, you know, see if we can have this guy start. And whomever that might have been, maybe it was Jimmy G. Maybe it was, you know, what I don't know, right? But like Kobe Brissett. <laughs> really? I mean, anyone, right? But now you're in the situation where you were like, all right, we're okay with Billy Zappi because he's our backup and he's not really gonna have to play a ton and like whatever. And then he came in a training camp and he looked terrible. Mac Jones has been bad. And so now you just don't have a quarterback, right? And you know, so that becomes an issue, right? And yeah. so I um, you know, you really have to figure those things out this year. You have to figure it out with Pop Douglas. You have to figure it out with Kayshawn Booty. You have to figure it out with – you got to figure it out with all these guys, man. All these guys you have to know by the end of the year because, yeah. you know, then it then it's a complete waste of the season. When it's – for some of these guys, you want to know a little bit sooner because you also have a trade deadline coming up. Yep. And if this team, you know, if this is it on this group and we're blowing it up, you know, if Josh Uche is not coming back next year, let's yeah. trade him at the deadline. Somebody will be interested in him. If we're if we're blowing it up, Hunter Henry is a guy who I'm sure could get interest. Kendrick Bourne, yep. Juju Smith-Schuster, maybe if somebody is interested in him, uh, just as an, an extra receiver to have around. You're you're gonna have you're gonna be trying to sell off some of these parts. Um, I think you want to know which direction you're going, and yeah. you know we all we all think we know, but organizationally you want a little bit more knowledge Clarity. um yeah i also uh dave archibald put together a list earlier this week of teams that had all the teams recently that have had back-to-back 30 plus point losses in a season 
there are a whole bunch of teams in there that went seven and nine or, or eight and eight or nine and seven. So I don't know. I think these last two games were bad. I don't know. The, the tone of the players last week felt very much like, man, that stunk. Let's get go. Let's get back to what we know we can do. And right. this week feels like, oh boy, we got to find out, figure out something new. And it felt like they were humbled in the way they weren't. So maybe that gets something out of them. I'm not sure. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. It's yeah, I don't, I'm not sure. I'm not sure what where it is that they go from here. Um, but... I'm liking what the players are saying this week a little bit more than last week. I think I don't know if it'll translate to the field. They might just not have the horses to do it. But I'm I like what I'm hearing this year better. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I agree, and I think that makes sense. You know, so we'll this see. Week. Yeah. We shall see. Uh, by the way, Matt, don't even don't mention Stefan Gilmore not being traded in 2020. That's or Joe you know Tooney. that's a bone of contention for me. I hate that. Um, the way they handled the Gilmore and Tooney situations was just if they're not going to be here. Stupid. Deal with them, yeah, right, and get something back, right? Um, or so. you know, in the case of Joe Tooney, just keep him, right? Keep him in the building, which that I never understood. You a lot of headache down the line, right? And I know they didn't want to pay him. I understand, but like. At a certain point, like he's just—it's yeah. just he's so much better than anyone else. And you look at the guys else. they signed that off season. I mean, yeah, you might, that's a much better investment than what they spent on Aguilar and Johnny Smith. Yep, yep. So, yeah. but you know yeah. what he ended up. By the way, speaking of investments, did you want to talk uh, Jerry Judy here? Real yes, quick? let's talk Jerry Judy. Jerry Judy was absolutely eviscerated by uh, Steve Smith, and I know you said this, and I saw a few other people say this too, like. It was a little childish of Steve Smith to kind of go at him like that. It definitely was a little childish of Steve Smith, but I thought it was hilarious. <laughs> I thought it was I, hilarious. Um, yeah. It was I funny. Know. I I think it's funny because Jerry Judy has been like this kind of trade target guy for a while, and I think a lot of that's because his he's never quite lived up to his draft profile. You watch yeah. Jerry Judy highlights, and he looks elite. Oh, so you incredible. watch Jerry Judy play football, and it's a bit yeah. – a bit more hit or miss. Um, right. You know, he'll take players off. He's got some drop issues. Uh, uh, Nate Tice on the Athletic Podcast always talks about how he's got the alligator arms and yeah. he never extends his hands for to make contested catches, which, man, let me tell you, that's that would get old in a heartbeat here in New England. Oh, yeah. I, I'm, honestly, you know what? who I was thinking of when you put all that together? You know, former first rounder, who has oh, the man. speed but can't make the catches? Getting Nelson Aguilar vibes yeah. when we, we talk about that. Um, which I don't. Yeah. I think Judy. I think Judy's a better athlete. Probably has better hands, but also takes more plays off. Aguilar Ooh. for all of his warts never took plays off. He gave a hundred percent the whole time. He just can't hang on to the football. Right, and I think you know the biggest thing for me. Look, I I'm a Jerry Judy truther. I really am. I, I'm a truther. I love. Love, love Jerry Judy. I traded for him. I, I'm in a few dynasty leagues. I traded for him in a few di- in a bunch of dynasty leagues. Two, not even last year, two years ago. Because I was like, this is gonna be it. He's gonna blah blah blah. Like whole thing. I'm like, he's gonna he's gonna kill it. And then he was sucked that year. Then I'm like, all right, now Russ comes in. I'm like, oh, now he's totally gonna get no. Okay. All right. Okay. Now this year, this year for sure. He no. He just he hasn't. He's never done it. He just no. hasn't done it. And so like, 
I understand theoretically he's a really good player. Theoretically. But, like, is he a really good player? Because I, he just – I just don't – I don't see it. I, I don't – I've never – I haven't seen it from him. And and so, like, I know that it's there. But, like, I don't know. I, I haven't seen it on the football field in the NFL. And so, like – oh, boy. Then, like, <laughs> you know, how do you – I don't know. I, I just – you're projecting – and then it's exactly. like, well, what are we doing? The guys, and he's the guys in year three, year four, no, he's or whatever. In year four. He's in year yeah. four. Like, you can't project yeah. that. No, and it's the other two things. Like, I, I wouldn't mind bringing him into New England. I think he's an upgrade on what you have right now. Right. But also, the cost you're paying because he kind of has that premium label on him from yep. his draft status, I think probably ends up being too much we'll see what it ends up being now and we'll see what denver wants to sell him for but also if denver is selling him for cheap that kind of that becomes a red flag because that that offense it has mess. been better this year but like not they're not me. no they and they're mess. not they're not like trying to sell off weapons here they're not in a position where they're trying to sell off guys who they think are part of their future so that means they don't think he is he's Correct. that guy right and, so if it's and that a means the, three pick I'd be yeah, in. yeah. But oh, the other thing is, you're gonna have to, if he's good, you're gonna have to pay him, and I think he might end up in that Nelson Aguilar tier contract wise, or in that Juju Smith Schuster tier contract wise, where you're even even those guys didn't get crazy money. You might you might end up having to pay him a lot of money for not great production. Well, I think then the question becomes, you know, like do you trade for him? In like for instance, if the Patriots like Judy, let's just say they like him. Yeah. Okay. It's worth giving up a fourth round pick for Jerry Judy to get him in the building and see what he has. Because now you can actually speak with you you can when you go to sign him, you're like, "Hey, I we have some actual experience with him. We're not just looking at it saying, "Oh, well, yeah, like, you know, we think he could be good." No, no, no. You know what he can do in your offense and and then you look at it and say, all right, we got it. Now we can pay him. Or you get him in and you're like, yeah, this dude sucks, man. Like we, yeah. you know, we can't pay him. By the way, uh, one of the weakest pass interference, uh, one of the weakest roughing the passer calls I've ever seen in my entire life. Uh, <laughs> safety just tackled I, Russell Wilson and they called him. Oh, yeah, I just saw that. I'm a little bit behind you. It's crazy. With Joey Judy unable to make a contest yes. catch on it, by the way. Shout yes. out to him. Of course. Uh, but yeah, no, the other thing too is this is where organizationally I think you want to have an idea of where you are. If Bill Belichick thinks he's coaching for his job and he says, if we are not good this year, then I'm out and he wants to keep his job, you don't want him going to Denver saying, hey, let me send you a second for Jared well, Judy right. yeah. because he feels like he needs to make that move to keep his job and then you end up not resigning him because he's not that good or because he's just commanding more money than you think he's worth. And you're Muhammad Sanuing it. Again. Yeah. It's bad. That's, and I don't think it has to be. Yeah. I don't think that that's going to necessarily happen. I, I understand what you're saying, but I don't think that that's necessarily going to happen. Um, no, but we'll see. No. We'll see. And the, and the pat, the pats are in a tough position right now because they, you want to add, you want to upgrade things, but also, you know, deadline deals are usually rentals or guys with a year and a half left on their contracts. The Pats really shouldn't be 
in too heavily on those guys because you're trying to make moves for the future at this point. I don't think you're looking for short-term upgrades unless you think you can save this season. Um, so we might be looking at a problem right now that has no imminent solution, and we're just going to have to watch this offense as it is for the most part for another three months here. Right. Yeah. True. <laughs> yeah. So. Uh, but yeah. Oh, and going back to the Steve Smith thing, I just – thought it was weird that he went up to Jerry Judy to apologize for a comment. He said, well, Judy's trying to warm up for a professional football game. And then got so annoyed that the dude wouldn't accept his apology that he went on TV to complain about him more. Yeah. It doesn't seem like your apology was that genuine. Then if 10 minutes later, you were willing to turn around and trash the dude again. Uh, And it kind of seems like he was right to say, Hey dude, get away from me. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, and I don't, I don't necessarily blame him for that. Um, (laughs) I mean, but, like it's it's receivers too. I mean, yeah. it's just he's we know who Steve de- Smith is. At this he's got a little diva in him. Steve Smith's yeah. got a little diva in him too, and I that's th- okay. I don't. I, I think if a receiver, if you if you're trying to get a number one receiver and he doesn't have a little bit of diva in him, I'm a little bit concerned, and that goes I for agree. corners too. <laughs> I agree. I agree. Yeah. So, all right. So uh, let's get into our last few segments. But before we do, here here's the wrap up. Here's the wrap up. Here's what you need to know. Yeah. Hit it. The, the Patriots. Have to win this game. It, or it, okay, nope. Let me rephrase. Rewind. We'll, we'll edit that out in post. Uh, <laughs> the Patriots have to compete in this game. They have to compete. At least show that you you care. At least give something like you're alive yeah. out there. Give an you answer know? to at least one or two of the problems we've been seeing. Correct. Correct. And. And play a competitive game. Now, if you lose, you lose. But you have to at least compete. And, and you know, that, not that, again, not that that's enough. Not that I'm happy with that. But at least we can look at it and say, okay, they're not completely dead. Because right now you're looking at it saying, fire everyone, cut everyone, trade everyone, blow the whole thing up. And if that's the case... And, and that continues this week. I don't think there's any question as to what has to happen at the end of the season. Whereas if they can turn this around and start playing well, I think that there's a case to be made that they could, it could be enough for Bill to keep his job. I don't think Mac's the quarterback no matter what. But again, Mac could be the quarterback next year, just not long term. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, um, anyways, that's what I got. All right, let's get into let's get into our um, these last three segments. The last three segments we have. Number one is going to be the prop bets. Oh yes, I think uh, I went over two last week. You sure did, as did I. Uh, we both went over two. I am now two and eight on the season after five weeks. You are four and six on betting the season the, after five yeah, weeks. I bet, the, I bet the, the under week. on Justin Fields and the over on Zach Wilson last week, which yeah, you know, and it was Zach Wilson good. got close. Justin Fields was not close. Zach Wilson was two yards away. You bet. You bet the over two hundred one point five. He threw for one ninety nine. So that was uh, that was tough for three yards, but yeah, so I close. Suppose, yeah. yeah, yeah, I suppose. So um, you want to go first? You want me to go first? What do you want to do? I can give one of mine if you want. Yeah, let's do it. I don't. I don't, I don't have a theme this week. All right, um, that's okay. But yeah, my first one. We got a Colts Jags game. 
Got Gardner Minshew in for the Colts. Jags defense that's been good. Also Jags offense that has been not as great as people think. Taking the under on 44 Ooh. and a half points in that one. That just, you know, divisional game. Teams that know each other. Uh, it seems like a kind of slog of a game Did on you say Sunday 40 afternoon. and a half? 44 and a half. 44 and a half. All right. Colts, Jags, under 44 and a half. I like it. I like it. My first under, um, my first uh, prop, I'm going to go to the same game. How about All that? Right. The same game. And um, I'm going to go, I'm, I'm riding Minshew Mania. Minshew Mania right now over one and a half TD passes. Ooh, I like that one. That's my, uh, that's my first prop bet. Love it. Yeah. Uh, my other one, I'm going to the, uh, what is it? It's the, the Texans and the Saints. Okay. I like this one. The Saints, basically all the touchdowns they've given up this year have been through the air, and we've seen C.J. Stroud throw a ton of touchdowns this year. We got no Tank Dell this week. I don't think. I think he's concussed. So we're going with the Dalton Schultz anytime touchdown for the Texans. A little tight end touchdown action. Kind of like this one. Schultz. Okay. Yeah. All right. the, the one spot the Saints have really locked up in the red zone has been the X receiver. So no Nico Collins. We'll tack the middle of the field. Take the tight end. I like it. I like it. Uh, I am going to the uh, Vikings game. The Vikings, of course, just got announced that um, Justin Jefferson is missing the next four games with an injury. And uh, so Jordan Addison. Stepping in to fill the void over 53 and a half receiving yards. I like Jordan it. Addison this week. So I like, um, it. yeah, so there you go. So maybe, maybe I'll win one of those. You never know. You never know. That's a- Can't get much worse than it has been so far this year, but two and eight and four and six. It's not been great, Matt. It's not been great, but you know, no. yeah. So, uh, so yeah, yeah. there's your, right. there's your prop bets. By the way, we got Travis Kelsey jogging off. With uh, with a little, little injury there, yes, and then jogged right back on. Didn't miss oh, one did snap. He? Yep. Okay. Only yep. One you're snap. you're ahead of me. Then I'm a little bit behind here. Oh, uh, see, I'm watching on. Where are you not watching on Prime? Uh, I I'm on, on my phone. Uh, so yeah, I guess that's, that's just fine. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I'm watching on the PlayStation, uh, on the TV. Yeah, I love it. Um, all right, should we do trivia time? Let's do it. Uh, yes, trivia time, and then we'll do this week in post history. Yeah. All right. So trivia this week, uh, last week's. For those who are around for it was who caught that fourth down conversion against the Saints. That was Austin Colley who had mm-hmm. it back in 2013. Dave Archibald got that one. Tonight's trivia question. And of course, whoever whoever says it first correctly in the chat or in the YouTube comments or on Twitter or whatever, whoever says it first gets entered to it to win a prize. I think the drawing is gonna our first drawing is gonna be the bye week. Um So, yeah. So, definitely, definitely get an answer in. This week's question. Which Patriot had three touchdowns in New England's last win over the Raiders back in 2020? Which Patriot? Three touchdowns in 2020. Yeah. Wow. That's a tough question. Yeah. This is, uh, yeah. So, you think about who was on that year's roster. While you think about it. I also got some stats that I meant to bring up earlier in the show, and I forgot about until I just checked my notes for the trivia question. Uh, so here, Pat, I'll, I'll bring these up. Let's see. We're going to talk talk about this. 
Um, I, I so I was looking at some of the receiving stats just to see where New England's you know receivers and stuff are. Yeah, we had mentioned that Jackson Smith and Jigba is the only receiver behind Juju Smith Schuster in yards per target this year. Yep. Yep. The Patriots also have the the player with the lowest yards per target qualified, the 141st, and that is Ezekiel Elliott. And Zeke and Ramondre Stevenson uh, are 141st and 140th. That's last and second to last in success rate for qualifying receiving options. So success rate, uh, it, it depends where you're getting it from, but it's basically... Any is to qualify as a success, it's a play that is a positive. So, you know, usually like right. first downs or guys who are picking up a certain number of yards, things like that. And, uh, yeah, no, they, those guys have not done it. Zeke does not have a single first down as a receiver so far this year, despite having, I think, like 15 targets or something like that. So, they haven't done much. And Juju Smith Schuster right down near the bottom of that list. When it comes to yards per reception, there are only four receivers worse than Juju. Those are Jackson Smith and Jigba, Paris Campbell, Wandell Robinson, and Kadarius Tony, which I found funny because I've heard Patriots cla- Patriots fans clamoring for every single one of those players to be on this sure. team at some point. It's very true. <laughs> oh man, it's very true. You know what? The my favorite one is the Jets are are uh, in discussions about to move off of McCole Hardman. And people mm-hmm. are like, well, he could be an intriguing option for people because he could. I was like, would you stop trying to? I feel like I feel like the girls from uh, from Mean Girls, where it's like, stop trying to make McCole Hardman happen. He's not yeah. good. He's not no. going to be good for anyone. He stinks. No. He wasn't He's good just in the Chiefs, best. for God's sake. If, if you want another Philip Dorsett, I'm all ears. <laughs> I don't know if anybody wants another Philip Dorsett. Well, but even I would even say Philip Dorsett was better than him because Dorsett at Probably. least would make a would make a catch in a big moment, man. Like and like he usually he just, did the right thing. Yeah, but not every time, time, but mix. most of the time. So, yeah. um, all right, let's uh let's go to our last one, our last segment, my favorite segment, I think. I think oh, it's yeah. my favorite. Here we go. And now for something we think you'll really like: this week in sports history. All right, so I have two. I'm going to start. Go for it. This day, uh, which is October 12th, um, 1853, okay, John Morrissey wins boxing title when Yankee Sullivan leaves the ring after the 36th round in a fight with Morrison's fans. That's 30, That's insane. Now, let me tell you something, okay? These guys are bare knuckle brawlers. All right. And you got to read up on some of the history. It's John Morrison versus Yankee Sullivan. If you read up on some of the history, they fought in um, the Boston. Shoot. I had I had it pulled up and I, I think I missed it. Oh, yeah, yeah, here it is. The um what what was called, at least at the time, um the uh where the hell is it? The uh, Boston Boston Corners. Boston Corners was a spot between New York and Massachusetts that New York and Massachusetts would fight over because they were arguing about whether it was in Massachusetts or in New York. And so it was declared that it was neither in New York nor Massachusetts. 
And so it was not policed. It was an area that was not policed. And so back in the 1850s, boxing was technically illegal. It wasn't technically illegal, but you would be arrested for like causing a ruckus basically. Mm-hmm. But so you would have these fights, it, bro. And these guys, I'm telling you, man, the, the history behind this is so wild because like the two of them were like worked for politicians and they were like leaders of gangs. And it was, I mean, these guys were like absolute, like worst of the worst. And like John Morrissey was like 23 and Yankee Sullivan was like 40. And it was just, it was, it was wild. And then there's arguments about, how it ended, whether Morrissey got knocked out and Yankee Sullivan left early, which which would make him disqualified, or whether he actually left the fight. So, and it was 1853. So, like, there's you know, it's not it's not like it was actually televised or anything like that, right? So, no, no. so there's arguments about how it happened, but the the history behind it's so fascinating because these were like there's such like eclectic guys, and there's like so much like weird intrigue and like you know sus stuff going on that uh it's it's a fascinating read so if you get a chance go on and read john morrissey versus yankee sullivan uh and it's just like the history behind it is so is so funny um and and crazy to read but 36 rounds of bare knuckle brawling is sounds like that's metal it sounds like i'm taking a wikipedia deep dive tonight then after this yeah on that one uh mine we are going back to 1963 the final event at the Polo Grounds in New York City. Over 14,000 people attended the first and only Latino All-Star Game. Okay, the National League would win over the American League. I love it. Here in, uh, it. Here in New York City, Polo Grounds, a legendary venue. Sure was. You can, yeah, I, I like to play in that in uh, MLB The Show oh, video God. game. Mm-hmm. Well, it's so much fun. My favorite was uh, M- MVP Baseball in 2004. Four, no, two thousand five. The one oh, with Manny oh on the cover, Manny, yeah, the best one. And then you'd play, you play, you'd play home run derby mode. to ten thousand. Is that the arcade mode that had like ramps and stuff in the field? Yes, that was crazy. Yeah. That was wild. my da- my dad and I would play that oh, all the time. It was Just so go much back fun. And it was so time. hard, but it was so much fun. I, and then I we, have content. Go ahead. No, it was just we we did home run derby, but it would be. It would be first at ten thousand feet, and you just like be smashing home runs to dead center field in the polo grounds. It was fantastic. I uh, I've been thinking recently about picking up an OG Xbox just so I can get some of those old games that you can't even play backwards compatible on the newer stuff. Might yeah. pick up an MVP Baseball 05 and so cool. maybe a Madden 05 in there too. The old create a play feature. Yeah, my buddy has my buddy has one. Um, I think he has an old. PlayStation 2. I think he's a PlayStation 2. And so he has some of those old games, which is really cool. So, um, but anyways, anyways, before we leave though, quick shout out to my father-in-law who in one hour, it's going to hit his 70th birthday. He is currently, so how about this? How about this? Okay. He just got his uh, Irish passport because his grandfather came over from Ireland. And so he applied for his passport, just got his Irish passport. And he's going to land in Ireland for his 70th birthday. So his 70th birthday is tomorrow. And he's currently on a plane over the ocean. And when he lands again, he's going to be in Ireland and it's going to be his 70th birthday. And like, that's just so cool. So that's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. So Uh, do you have another on this day? 
That's it. So it was, oh, wait, I do. I do. Sorry. I didn't give my second one. I got a little, I got sidetracked there. My second one was um, on this day, which again, actually tomorrow, October 13th, 1903, the end of the first World Series. Uh, the Boston Americans beat the Pittsburgh Pirates 3 nothing in game eight at Huntington Ave for a 5-3 series victory. Love so, it. So there you go. First of five, which <laughs> is wild. So, yeah. So there uh, you go. Yeah. I got I got another one here just because I saw it on the timeline. We're a day early, but October 13th, 2013. So a decade ago somehow. Yep. David David Ortiz grand right. slam and right. Brady to Tompkins against the Saints. What a day! Legendary that was. Boston sports day right there. What a day! I missed I missed the Saints game because I was at a wedding, obviously. Because as obviously, you know, I yeah. missed the you last don't go 10, to Saints games. last ten years of Saints games. And I came home. My uh, my daughter was just born. My daughter had just been born, and um, and what's it called? Uh, and I watched the game with my sister in law downstairs my dog my wife had gone to bed my kids were sleeping and we watched the game it was wild so so yeah so there you go so that was fun yeah so we'll we'll be uh we'll be back sunday evening yes sunday evening after the game um i'm gonna be at gillette actually watching they have like a um away game viewing party whatever so i won't say the whole game because i'm taking the kids so i'll probably come home at halftime or whatever but we're gonna go up to the we're gonna go up in the lighthouse we're gonna do some different things. So that should Ooh, be a lot of fun. Mm-hmm, I love mm-hmm, it. Mm-hmm. I love so it. Should be, should be a fun time. So anyways, that's what we got for tonight. Thanks for, thanks for coming through people. We appreciate it. Uh, every, thanks everyone in the chat as always uh, for coming through 2k 98 on dreamcast. Come on, dude. I never, I never had dreamcast or anything like that. I was a, I was a mad, I was a, uh, um, a PlayStation guy and PlayStation for me had an NFL game day 98. I'll never forget what your own bet is on the cover. What a, what a dope game that was. Um, when I first got it, so, so yeah, back in the day, it gets me, it gets me nostalgic for the old, for the old times. So, um, but anyways, thanks again for guys for uh, for sticking through. We appreciate it, and uh, and we'll talk to you guys on Sunday night after maybe a another maybe game, competitive, winnable. Game? I don't know, winnable. You know, maybe not a win, but you know, at least competitive. Entr- you know? Give me something entertaining. Give me three hours yes, of entertainment. Please not- entertain me for God's sakes. We're watching all the games this season. We're watching the full things, Pat. So, you know, That's if correct. we can get three hours of entertainment instead of like the 25 minutes we got last Sunday. Yeah, I agree. Was there even 25 minutes of entertainment, though? I'm being generous. We're yeah, counting the national anthem in that one. <laughs> <laughs> oh, brother. All right. Well, we'll talk to you guys Sunday night. Take care, guys.